0: Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I want to introduce to you today a a fellow Illinois girl and uh, uh, somebody who has taken the most extraordinary grief that any wife can know and turn it into something amazing, something positive and I was so excited when I got to meet her, and now I want you to meet her.
1: Amber Oberheim, welcome to the program. Betsy, thank you so much for having me on today. It means, uh, it means a great deal. So
0: Amber, you uh, had the worst experience that a police wife can have, something as a, I'm a police wife as well, and something that we all think about. Um, talk about, pray about, and, uh, but it happened to you in Champaign, Illinois. Talk about your husband, Chris, and the night that he was murdered.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, it's, you know, it's the thing that as, as police wives, we all, we all fear uh, the most, and, and, and it happened. Um, so, Chris was a, a 20 year veteran of, uh, the police department. He went to work on May 18th. He always worked night shift and, uh, he had a routine every night before he would go to work. He would find me and each of our four daughters and give us a kiss on the head and say, love you. And he did that. And, uh, you know, I, every night I would say, be safe or be careful or something to that, uh, to that effect. And he would he would reply, "Of course I will," or "Always," or something you know along those lines. And so um, it was really like any other night. And um, I got a very aggressive knock at my door. Um, what would have been maybe four o'clock, a little after four o'clock in the morning. And as soon as I looked out, I knew um, that that something something was wrong. Um, I knew I knew the officer that was on my front porch. And uh, and I opened the door and I said, "If you're here, it means something is wrong." And he said, "Yes, um, something is wrong." And so he proceeded to tell me uh, that Chris was shot, and he was alive, and we needed to get to the hospital. And so I very quickly um, called, uh, you know, my my dad, and uh, told the girls very quickly, you know, Dad has been has been shot. Um, I don't know anything else, but I need to get to the hospital. And so off I went. Uh, by the time I got there, um, Chris was in surgery and uh, I, I was there for maybe maybe 20 minutes and the neurosurgeon came out and, and said um, that he was sorry that uh, Chris had a, a fatal gunshot wound to his head. And uh, despite all of his efforts, there was nothing that he could do to to save him and um in that moment um everything changed everything Uh, life as i knew it then um doesn't exist now it's uh it's changed in 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 every possible way um my husband was a he he was um, a very good officer he was um he was a cop's cop if you will. Uh, he was that guy. He uh, was known to be very tactically sound, and um, he could handle situations um, in, in a very fair way, um, but but take care of business, if you will. Um, the incident that happened, as I understand, happened very quickly. Uh, he and his partner were called to um, an apartment building where there was a domestic uh, disturbance that was happening, and it was a, a, a downstairs neighbor that had made the 911 call, and uh, she said, it, it happens a lot, but tonight it's it's really bad, so we would like for you to get here quickly. Please get here quickly, and when my husband and his partner arrived on scene, uh, they saw what they thought was the suspect coming down the stairs and sitting in his car. And so they approached him, said, Hey, you know, what's up Uh, within seven and a half seconds of approaching the perpetrator. He started firing at them. Uh, He fired nine shots and landed three in my husband's partner and three in my husband. And, um, the only way that I felt like this could have been the outcome of a situation for my husband, knowing how good he was, was if he didn't see it coming. And that's more or less what happened because his gun never left his holster. Uh, he, he didn't see it coming and he really didn't have a chance to engage in, in that gunfight because it happened so fast. So
0: talk to me just for a minute about what kind of guy Chris was outside of the job.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Chris was, um, Chris was a very stoic man. Um, he, was, uh, he was very humble. Um, he did have a servant's heart. He was the best father. Um, we have four daughters. Hannah, Avery, Addison, and Aubrey, and, and the last two are twins. Um, so he was the epitome of a girl dad. He loved uh, having fun. His is probably his favorite thing to do with our girls was to play softball. So he coached uh, travel softball teams, some very successful girls travel softball teams for my goodness, it was in the upwards of 13 years or more and was currently coaching a team uh, as well. And so um, we didn't talk a lot about police work outside of, you know, him being on duty. I mean, if he was home, he was home. And um, we focused on having fun as a family. And, uh, you know, we love to travel. Uh, Chris and I love to cruise. That was our favorite um, vacation. Um he he was a man of few words, um, but he was highly respected within uh, the police department and within our community. Um, he he truly he he truly was a a, a, a great man, um, and he was a wonderful husband. We had been. You know, our, our first date was 23 plus years ago and uh, you know, it was, we, we have a lot of a very, really just, just really fond memories. Um, we did a lot of fun stuff in those 23 years and I sure didn't, I sure didn't see us not having another 23 um, to continue doing, you know, what we were doing. And so um, it's been a, it's been a shock in every, in every sense of the word. Right. Um, right, And when when
0: a law enforcement officer is murdered, there's there's a flurry of activity with, you know, media and then, you know, the funeral and it's all it sort of takes on a life of its own. I know. Yes. And uh, and then once that's all over, then here you are. Um, hmm. And you made a decision to honor Chris, and honor his profession, our profession, in a pretty amazing way, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. That um, that conviction came fast, and it came early. Um, it was clear to me within 24 hours that this thing that we were experiencing, my girls and I, it really wasn't about us. It was about a lot more than that. And so keeping that in perspective, we made very conscious decisions, very purposeful decisions about the way that we were going to do things. Um, Everything from Chris's services to what we're doing now. And, uh, you know, I'm a nurse practitioner by trade. I've done that for 18 years. Uh, I love my job. I love my patients. um, and 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 I make a good living doing that. And It's crazy the way that, I mean, I haven't been back to my clinic yet, um, but I think that that's because this is what I'm supposed to be doing now. So, you know, I look at myself every day and think, what, what are you doing? (laughs) What, what are you really doing? Because, um, you know, you're not, you're not paying yourself to do any of this. You're working more than you did as a nurse practitioner, um, you know, and at the end of the day, this isn't in your wheelhouse, Amber, what are you, what are you doing? But, but the reality is I'm, I'm following, uh, I'm following God's lead and, um, and it's, and it's been absolutely amazing to watch him work in our lives, to watch what's happening as a result, to see the power that you can have in a situation when you ask for help, from God, what, what he's able to to provide. And, and so that's what we're doing. Um, We, we really are walking a faith guided life at this point. And we were faithful people leading up to May 19th, but I'm here to tell you that God intervened in a big way, in a big way. And so people will ask, where does your strength come from? How do you do this? And I say only by the grace of God and all of the amazing people that are around us. We figured out how to take what they give, um, internalize it, and use it, you know, that day, the next day, the next day. And after a while, those days, you just chain them together. And, and you know, here we are um, nine months later. So
0: and that's the thing, Chris. Chris was murdered at a time when you know, 2021 at a time when American law enforcement was really uh, under attack. Yes. And wrongfully, there is, you know, a false narrative that somehow American law enforcement is the problem, that we are the ones that are a danger to our communities. We know that's not true. And um, but when he was murdered, and I and I, I'm a fellow Illinois police officer. So I know um especially in the Illinois law enforcement community, I mean, his murder was such a gut punch to all of us. and yes. and then um, the story quickly went um, national. And so when you decided to form Peacemaker project seven oh three, I know one of your central goals is to um, bring more positivity yes. to the, to law enforcement, you know, to the community and their view of law enforcement. And, and I love your tenants, respect, service, family, and integrity. Yes. I mean, that just, that right there says it all, but what are the goals for Peacemaker Project 703.
1: Yeah. So it became very clear that our vision was to promote our nation's positive regard and respect for law enforcement because we live in a world that doesn't see things that way, right? You just alluded to that. And I've experienced that as a law enforcement wife over the course of the last 20 years and just really been able to, to watch that roll out um, from when Chris first started uh, in the, in, in, in even the, in, in the police academy in you know 1999 um, until present day. And so we felt like someone needed to be a change agent for our law enforcement community. Um, our mission is to proactively support law enforcement officers and their families through community outreach reform and education. And we wanted to leave that open-ended so that there was nothing that we would, we would uh, be faced with that we wouldn't be able to fit into our mission. Um, and so that's exactly what we're doing. Um, you know, on the, day, on the day of Chris's funeral, All four of our girls and I spoke um, and I didn't realize the impact that my words would have. Um, One of the things that has been taken from that moment, one of the sentences that I spoke uh, at Chris's funeral was, it's time to start celebrating heroes and stop victimizing felons. And little did I know, what was going to happen when I spoke those words. I mean, the entire, the entire church stood and applauded and I was left somewhat dumbfounded, like what is even happening? Um, and before I knew it, Betsy, that, that sentence was on memes and all over social media and on t-shirts and on plaques. And, um, I thought these words were just words that were on my heart and on my mind. But what I quickly realized is that there's so much more support for our law enforcement officers than there is, um, you know, people who, who are arguing against them. And I think what happened when Chris died is that the silent majority woke up. And I gave them permission and continue to give them permission to use their voice. Because when we use our voices well enough, we'll create action. And when action happens, we'll create results. And so that's what our foundation is about. Um, Some people have taken my quote out of context. They've put assumptions and inferences in there that don't belong. Um, I've had people tell me that it was something that was racist to say, and I said, "There's nothing racist about my comment." We don't see things that way. We don't. We don't. We don't look at things that way. We don't. We don't see black and white. We see good and we see evil, and we're about the good. Um, there are people that have said you know, that's a political statement. There's nothing political (laughs) about what we say or what we do. However, we have been having conversations with lots of legislators about the things that we need to do in Illinois, um, not to mention, you know, in in the United States. So. um, Well, and that's one of the things
0: with when we talk about politics, you know, that's what the National Police Association we talk about that all the time we're not we're we're not a political organization we don't endorse candidates you know all of that but unfortunately policing has been politicized yes. not by us right and not by you the families um but it's been politicized to the point where we have to reach out and touch uh legislators uh local state, federal, county, all of them to stop so much of what is happening, especially things like bail reform or no cash bail, Um, you know, uh, people with multiple felony convictions or felony arrests that are still walking our streets, all of that, right? Do you guys get involved in some of that?
1: Yes. Yes. I, I have done that. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to have face-to-face mm-hmm. conversations with sev- several of our Illinois uh, legislators, as well as um, several from, uh, you know, our, our our national Congress, and and um, it's they're good conversations. Um, I was able to testify um, for uh, Illinois House Bill forty-one ninety-one, which is, um, you know, I, I, that was last week. Um, it's funding for officers, it's funding for you know, departments, um, for hirebacks, for incentives, for retentions, for equipment, for mental health, um, all of the things that, that law enforcement needs right now. Um, we're having hard conversations with people that um, are difficult, but what I'm finding is that, honestly, we have more common ground in many cases uh, than you would anticipate we have more common ground than the media certainly would want to uh, you know to to put out there. so um I do believe that it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, and we are uh, we're ready to we're ready to run. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Amber, what do you think Chris would think
0: about all this that you're doing?
1: <laughs> I think um I think if you if he sat down next to me right now, uh, he he had this he had this way of kind of putting his head down and just shaking it real slow um, with a smile on his face at the same time. I think I think that would be the nonverbal reaction that I would get. and then uh, and then if he if he had an opportunity to speak to me, I think he would say, "Go get him. Go get him. I got you. That's, we need
0: this, you know. Yeah. 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 I I I would imagine he must be incredibly proud and that your girls are involved as well, which is terrific. You know, that's you know, yeah. um, for young people, there's a lot of pressure to hate law enforcement and and you know, talk about how we're bad and all of that stuff. And uh and your girls are actually involved in the organization.
1: They are. they are absolutely. And they've had a choice from day one how much they wanted to participate, and those girls have been right next to me the entire time. They love love, love, what they refer to as all of their aunts and uncles in uniform. That's uh, one of them even said that, you know, we inherited this huge family when 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 our dad died, and that that couldn't be more true,
0: right. Absolutely. So what uh, where can people find more, uh, find out more about Peacemaker Project 703? How can they donate? How can they get involved? Where can we find you?
1: Sure. So we've got a website. It's www.peacemakerproject703.com. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram under Peacemaker Project 703. And, and I should say too, uh 703 was Chris's badge number. Um, I, that, that's sort of implicit, but not everybody understands that. Um, and, uh, Matthew five, nine was his favorite verse, which is blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. And so that's where we came up with our foundation name because Amber, peacemaking is what you all do really yeah, it's a, yeah. it's at the essence of, of what law enforcement is about. And so
0: truly, truly.
1: Amber, I cannot thank you enough for
0: spending some time with me today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at NationalPolice.org. Ma'am, put the gun
1: down! down! Put the gun down!
0: Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order.
1: Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers.
0: Together, we can help de escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer.
1: Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest.
0: If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.